Hey, Kathy, how's it going? Oh, doing pretty well here in D.C., Brian. Uh, how's it up there in St. Louis? Pretty good. We had a kind of a warm winter, or mild winter anyway, so I've been enjoying that. Yeah, it's like spring here. I miss my Connecticut winters. <laughs> uh, so great to have you back on the show. Last time we were chatting, we were talking about the ethics around artificial intelligence. That was a great conversation. And uh, this time we want to go back to one of the projects you've taken the lead on, it's really more than just a project. Uh, it is an initiative uh, called We Are Called. Uh, so that's what we want to talk about um, in light of uh, the fact that we've been at this now going into our third year. So you ready to have a conversation on that? Absolutely. Let's do it. This is Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm your host, Brian Reardon, and in this episode, we welcome Kathy Curran. She is Senior Director of Public Policy at the Catholic Health Association. Kathy, great to have you again, have you with us. Great to be here. And in a moment, we're going to be talking to Ralph McLeod. He is Director of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And Ralph, we look forward to catching up with you here in a moment. But Kathy, let's start with... We are called. Uh, we are now in our third year of this initiative. Maybe for those listeners who are not familiar with We Are Called, can you just give us a, a brief overview of what this initiative is? Certainly, Brian. So um, I'll give you a little background. In 2020, of course, the summer, we saw all the terrible killings that were happening of um, African-Americans by police. And we also saw that COVID was disproportionately impacting certain communities. And so the CHA board wanted to react, the, felt a strong need as a, as a ministry, as a Catholic ministry to come together and take a position. So in July of that year, they approved um, something that we call our Confronting Racism by Achieving Health Equity Pledge. And because that's a huge mouthful, we shortened it to our We Are Called initiative. Um, and it has four elements to it. There are four elements to the pledge. One, um, uh, we committed to taking immediate action on COVID health equity at the time, making sure that uh, access to testing, treatment, and then eventually vaccination was uh, equity equitably available to all communities. The second pillar is putting our own houses in order. So looking internally at our own employment practices, our HR practices, contracting, um, are we uh, treating our patients in an equitable manner was the second pillar. Our third pillar is building right and just relationships in our communities, truly reaching out to communities and helping them to have a voice in um, the needs that they have for health care and other issues that are related to health and bringing them in as opposed to doing for them. And then finally, using our advocacy um, resources to work for um, change to end health disparities and systemic racism. So those are the four pillars of the pledge, Brian. Yeah, and as I mentioned, uh, we are now entering our third year of this work. So over the first two years, I guess two-part question, Kathy. Um, one, uh, do you think the expectations uh, entering into We Are Called have been met? And what are some of the maybe successes uh, that we can point to um, and maybe some of the, the remaining challenges in this work? Sure. Well, I have to say at the beginning, Brian, this happened really fast. It was an immediate did, reaction yeah. to what was happening. So I'm not sure that we had expectations specifically. We just wanted to mobilize the entire ministry and um, move forward as as we could to make change. And I, and I think we were successful in mobilizing the ministry. 90% of our membership have uh, signed up and committed to the pledge. And I, and I think that's probably higher than what I expected. You don't usually see such great take up on these things. So I'm really proud of the ministry for their response. Um, 
some of our big successes over the last year, I, I mean, I think about them in terms of um, collaboration and integration. Um, so among our members, I'm, I'm really excited by the degree to which all of them have committed and actually started doing the work. Let, let me amend that. Many of our members were already doing a lot of this work, but what they've done is they've stepped up their efforts and, and really um, doubled down on what they were doing. And some of our members were new to doing the work of equity. And because of the pledge and because of what happened in 2020, have now stood up DEI committees, have stood up efforts to work more closely with people in their communities. And, and all of our members really, I think, did an excellent job during COVID in making sure that the people in their communities had access to COVID treatment, testing, and then vaccination. So from the member perspective, I think those are some of our successes. I think internally, Brian, um, at CHA, we have done just a wonderful job of integrating this work through everything we do. So um, we have developed many, many resources for the members who are doing this work, whether it's webinars, um, uh, the website that we created, uh, the different conferences that we go and speak at um, and, and provide information and bring them to speak. But also internally at CHA, all of our work is now informed by uh, the We Are Called initiative. Whenever we put on a conference, there's always something to do with racism or health equity or social determinants of health. Um, so it's really been infused throughout our entire culture here at CHA, and I'm quite proud of that. Yeah, and what really has struck me is how we've been able to learn from each other. I think across the membership, as you mentioned, some systems had been working on this for a while. Others maybe had not been as mature in some of their work around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. But the great thing is the sharing of best practices, I think, has really been quite impressive. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think a good example of all of this is um, the guide to collecting and reporting on community benefit that CHA puts out. It was um, revised so that health equity could be infused throughout the document. And all of our members, as they're working on their community benefit planning, they've really um, taken up paying attention to health equity and social determinants of health. So it's it's um, you know, CHA providing the resource in the guide and then the members taking it up and really going into their communities to uh, address these issues. Yeah, and I think the other thing that um, has struck me, and I, I read the article that you wrote for the current issue of uh, Health Progress, the spring issue, uh, the, the title of the column is A Call to Seek and Tell the True Truth of Justice. And, and I want to just touch on that briefly before we bring in Ralph, because, again, this is work that has been ongoing. It's nothing new, but I think, again, we've amplified the effort around that. And in your column, you, you say this, if we truly believe the values espoused in the Declaration of Independence in the U.S. Constitution, then as Americans, we have a collective and individual responsibility to accept Sister Thea Bowman's challenge to have the courage to hear the true truth and to do something about that. Can you just speak to that, that this isn't just something that is, uh, and again, you, unfortunately in the media and in different elements of society, um, this has been labeled as being woke, but it's not. No, I think we have to be brave and challenge ourselves and be honest about our history in the United States and the ways that uh, really the history of slavery and racism is completely intertwined with um, our history and our society. And the only way that we're going to make progress is to be honest about that, to, to really note, you know, to really admit to the true truth, as Sister Thea would say. 
and to listen to one another. I think that's one of the points I wanted to make in that column was people might feel overwhelmed or what can I do or there's so much controversy about it, but listen to the stories of the people who have experienced the reality of segregation, racism, you know, back in the day uh, before the Civil Rights Act, but going up until the modern day as well. So listen to the truth of the stories uh, of the people who have experienced this and and be honest about the truth of our history. And again, I think the reason we named this initiative We Are Called, because this is work we are called to do. And with that, I want to bring in, uh, again, Ralph McLeod. He is director of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Ralph, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So We Are Called, um, can you just, maybe that's a good place to start. As Catholics, we are called to do this work. Why is that important? Well, I think that's consistent with who we're called to be as Catholic Christians. For folks who follow Jesus, that Jesus, you know, spent his life and ultimately gave his life to trying to make people whole, trying to bring bring folks back into community with one another in in things like healing the sick, raising the dead, making folks involved in the the issues that affect their everyday lives. And I think that for those of us who who say that we're called to follow him, that that's a a call for us to, to, to be better than what we are, to go outside of ourselves, look at at, at ways that we can deal with issues that that uh, divide our human family and, and eliminate those. Can you share a little bit about the Catholic Campaign for Human Development for those who don't know? How long has it been around? What's some of the, the main tenets of, of the work? Sure, I'll be happy to. It's been around for a little over 50 years. The bishop some 50 years ago looked at the signs of the times and saw that there was great polarization among folks, high rates of poverty, and that that people, for the most part, were not being able to express themselves in the public arena. They felt as though we did a fairly good job in our soup kitchens, our Catholic charities agencies, our schools, our hospitals. But there was still a component that was missing, that folks were still being excluded from making the decisions that affected them in their in their everyday lives. So they created a fund that might support things like uh, the human development of folks uh, in a very literal sense, the things that make folks whole, you know, which includes things like like healthcare and employment and education and and having a way to fund and support their voices in in a public setting uh, to allow them to speak for their own uh, for their own destiny for themselves and for their families. So we support community organizing and economic development. Uh, economic development, things like uh, 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 community-owned land trusts, things like worker-owned development, things like job training, things like worker-owned co-ops, all that are, are low-income run and based, and the voices of these organizations that we support have to be low-income because the bishops in their wisdom some 50-some years ago realize that the voices that can can best help pull people out of poverty are the ones that are experiencing it. And the ones that who are experiencing it have a, a hunger for, a zest for, uh, uh, for the same things that we do uh, in terms of, of food, clothing, shelter, and, and the kinds of things that, um, that can allow us to live up to the human dignity that God wants us all to live up to. And what you just described really resonates uh, when we think about Catholic social teaching. Uh, 50 years of work, um, I think it's probably safe to say there's been some progress, there's been some setbacks over those 50 years. Um, but from your perspective, 
Is the lens of Catholic social teaching something that needs to be sharpened maybe around this work, that, it, that maybe we lose sight of the fact of what you just said. This is really about the dignity of the, of the person and, and really being called to, to carry on Jesus's ministry. Yeah, you know, I don't know that it needs to be sharpened as much as it needs to be shared. Uh, we, you know, we hear all the time about it being such a, such a secret. And the folks that we're sharing that with, you know, obviously are aware of it. But the, uh, to, to share the reality of who we are as Catholics means that we can't that we can't ignore a person who finds themselves in a human dignity has been compromised in any stretch of the imagination. That we encourage that folks uh, uh, participate in the in the things that are happening in their individual communities. That we we that they share in the decisions that are going to impact themselves and that they're in their lives. And 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 we in, encourage things like like solidarity, like coming together to deal with those. Encourage things like subsidiarity and encouraging folks who are closest to the decision to make the decision. And probably most important is, is the preferential option for the poor, uh, giving preference and deference to those persons who find themselves struggling, uh, not being so much caught up in those in the whole notion of being fair, but being just. The Bible calls us to be just and not to be fair. And those two aren't the same thing. Uh, being just means that there are some folks who might need a little bit more assistance as opposed to starting everybody out, giving them uh, the, the the same kind of assistance. Um, so I think Catholic social teaching needs to be be shared uh, a lot more, needs to be preached a whole lot more, needs to be uh, reminded of some of the folks who are doing tremendously good work right now, that they're not doing it just because they're being good, they're doing it because that's, that our faith is calling us to that, that this is consistent with who we are. And I think that bolsters folks once they understand I'm being a good a good Christian when I'm concerned about the poor. I'm being a good Catholic when I'm I'm giving uh, deference to those persons who are struggling. Uh, when I'm going to the to the, uh, 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 the as Pope Francis says to the margins mm-hmm. to find and identify folks who are struggling and assist them in their in their uh, in their problems. And as you look at the work we're doing, and again, I I don't want to make it sound like we are called as that we've only been confronting racism uh, and working to achieve health equity over the last two two and a half years. I mean, this is something that has been sort of ingrained, you know, if you go back to the, the founding of, of our, our health systems and, and the, the, the sisters that came over. But looking at this initiative and maybe the work we've, that Catholic Healthcare specifically has done in this area, um, I would be interested if you have maybe some critiques or suggestions for what we can be doing better. Well, you know, as I looked at it, I, I couldn't help but become uh, extremely excited about it in that that and especially in dealing with the social determinants of, 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 of health and looking at the, the uh, uh, in a very holistic way, the whole person, things that keep people from living out in, in a healthy lives, I, it, it's exciting. And I think, you know, the whole idea of, as Kathy was mentioning just now, the importance of acknowledging and realizing uh, the history of, of racism and slavery and how it has a an impact on how we do things today, uh, whether we want to admit it or not, the, the 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 vestiges of that still impacts the decisions that are being made by a lot of uh, organizations and institutions. Something that was exposed a lot in uh, during the COVID is that that health care or the lack of health care or the health care disparities, you know, impacted things like employment, and things like impacted things like education, impacted things like uh, 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 community growth. And and uh, resources that were put into communities. So the reality of of um, 
of, of acknowledging the racism, acknowledging the history in the past, and realizing, in a sense, uh, the whole preferential option for the poor uh, virtue that I mentioned a little earlier, that giving preference to those places that have been historically neglected or maligned, uh, intentionally or not, but recognizing that they exist and they may need a little bit more help is extremely, extremely uh, 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 courageous and exciting to hear about. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Ralph. And let me let me bring Kathy back in. Um, so I want to ask both of you, um, as we look forward, so we, we've kind of provided a little bit of a recap of, of some of the work we've done. Um, what are what are going to be some of the key challenges? Kathy, you mentioned polarization in your column. Um, what else should we really be looking toward uh, confronting uh, to, to really advance this work in, in the months and years ahead? Uh, well, I think in terms of um, looking at the healthcare industry um, or, you know, healthcare work that we do, I worry that people will forget this was an issue, right? So, you know, I've been working on health disparities and health equity for 15 years, ever since I came here to CHA. And so in 2020, when everybody was mobilizing around it, that was really exciting. And I just hope that it doesn't kind of fade back into the background again. Um, Mm -hmm. I hope that it stays front and center at the attention of people in healthcare and the broader community. And then the other challenge is what you just mentioned is, uh, Brian, there's so many people out there who want to just stir up trouble mm-hmm. and um, create uh, strife where there doesn't need to be. And so I think we need to keep our heads down and focused on on the work that we're doing and um, help the Catholic community to understand what Ralph said, that all of our work, whether it's you know Catholic Campaign for Human Development or the work we do as Catholic Healthcare, it's fundamentally rooted in our acknowledgement of the dignity of the human person. That's what it all comes from, um, whether it's death penalty, whether it's work on abortion, health care, community organizing. All of our work is because we recognize the dignity of the human person and each individual as created in the image and likeness of God. And we need to remember that and, and really keep our focus on that while there's all this crazy noise around us. Yeah, great point. Ralph? Yes, I would only add that uh, that we not become victim of a, a, a caution out of they would not become victim of of uh, living through this polarization in a way that even pulls them further apart. It just occurs to me, particularly with the folk where the Catholic Campaign for Human Development works and, and lives, I guess, is that we we work hard to to seek out those folk who who are uh, who are low income, who aren't on anybody's radar, and the temptation uh, to to avoid or neglect those folks, particularly in times of polarization oftentimes leaves them off of, of, of anybody's anybody's radar that we make special at we as church and I'm, I guess I'm speaking to, to Catholic health as well as Catholic campaign for human development and actually the, the church that we as church that we do as, as Pope Francis has invited us to do to go to the peripheries and maybe even beyond the peripheries to those places that 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 doesn't doesn't uh, uh, where, where folks don't see themselves as having a, a voice or dignity. Who, who don't see the church as being uh, uh, a, a place that can offer them respite and care and, and attention and and, um, and dealing with their day-to-day issues. That we we go, uh, what my grandmother would say, that we go past the railroad tracks, that mm. we go deep into the heart of communities and, and make ourselves proximate, uh, not just to, to kind of hit and miss, but that we make ourselves proximate in a way that we want to encounter and accompany folks 
as they uh, are addressing their issues, that we spend extra time and dare I say, in a kind of a synodal kind of situation, listening to the listening to folks who can share ways that uh, that that they're being uh, 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 kept down, that share ways they're being oppressed and depressed and pushed and and pushed down. Uh, in ways we might be able to assist them, address them, and walk with them as they as they deal with them. Oh, well stated and very consistent with uh, all of us who have foundering congregations and know the history. They went where the need was. So uh, appreciate those comments and insights. Uh, Ralph McLeod, he is director of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development at the USCCB. Ralph, thanks for being with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you all, and appreciate your work. And Kathy Curran, thanks for your leadership, uh, along with uh, our other colleague, Dennis Gonzalez at CHA. The two of you have done a remarkable job in really pushing forward our We Are Called initiative. And as always, it's great to catch up and talk with you. Great to be here, Brian. Thank you very much. And this has been another episode of Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association. I'm your host, Brian Reardon. Our producer is Josh Manica. Our engineer is Brian Hartman here at Clayton Studios in St. Louis. You can listen to Health Calls and download it on all streaming podcast apps, including Spotify, Google, Apple Store. Uh, Appreciate you listening. And if you want more information on the We Are Called initiative, just visit wearecalled.org. You can also get information about the work that CHA is doing at chausa.org. Thanks for listening. 